You're listening to an archive presentation of Center Stage. This episode was originally recorded in 2010. This is Center Stage with Michael Kay. Here's your host, Michael Kay. Thank you, everybody, and welcome to Center Stage. Today's guest was born in Louisiana, where he grew up playing baseball. That's right, then he went to Texas. He signed a contract with the Yankees at the age of 18 and quickly moved through the minor league system and made his Yankee debut four years later. A tall and strong left-hander with a bulldog mentality, this two-time 20-game winner has been a vital part of seven Yankees World Series pitching staffs, plus another during a three-year hiatus from the Bronx as a member of the Houston Astros. A model of consistency, he has won over 200 regular season games as a Yankee, and he's never had a losing record during the regular season. A five-time World Series champion, he is Major League Baseball's all-time postseason win leader with 18 victories. A Yankees fan favorite, please welcome the man his family calls Andrew Eugene, but we know him as number 46, Andy Pettit. Well, you know, this is the the largest crowd that we have ever had at Center Stage. So now, when you go into the clubhouse, you could tell Jeter, beat you, A-Rod, beat you, because they didn't even come. You can beat Yogi Berra. Well, I don't know what to say. I'm speechless as far as that goes. (laughs) All right, so... um, when, when you watch you pitch, the whole gig is this, with the cap down. I mean, I think Lance Berkman said you look like Darth Vader. Where did that come from? You know, it's just something that, that, uh, that I believe I started kind of in the minor leagues in my first year when I came up here. I'm big on visualizing and seeing my pitches before I throw them and stuff like that. And I was just trying to just see the catcher's mitt, really. Uh, I didn't want to worry about who was in the batter's box and trying to see my pitches before I throw it, and that was it. So, so it had kinda... nothing to do with intimidation or anything like that? No, nothing at all. For me, It was just literally for me just to kind of just to have that narrow tunnel vision to be able to see, uh, you know, right to the mitt. All right, let's talk about last year, 2009. You open up a brand-new stadium. You win a World Series championship. Did you sense that something was special? Did you have that feeling about this team? You know, I, I did because uh, I knew what what kind of team we had as far as players and, and the guys that we had, the kind of leadership that we had. And then uh, when the organization went out and got CC and and AJ, if I was able to stay healthy, and you got Mariano Rivera closing games out for you, you know, that we really had a chance to do something special. That was a big reason, you know, why I decided to come back. All right, so we know you won the World Series last year, but what was the most memorable part of the regular season? What's the one thing that you'll always think back on and go, yeah, that was 2009? Well, obviously, the first thing that stands out is Derek's getting the hit. Mm -hmm. uh, To to be the all-time Yankee hit leader, that was a pretty cool night. Then the next thing I think of is just Mariano. I think he got 500 saves and and getting it at uh, New City Field over there. Uh, You go 14-8 and in the regular season. Mm -hmm. Not bad. And then you head into the postseason at the age of 37. You're starting to feel your age. Are you worried about, do I have these extra innings in my arm at this age? No, I felt good. I, I really did. Um, and I'm sure y'all you know, heard us talk about it last year when we were going through it. Joe had rested us so much. So, you know, me and C and AJ, we all, going into the postseason, felt extremely strong and felt like that we were going to be able to do whatever needed to be done. You went 4-0. and 
You won the last game of every series, the clinching game. Why are you so good in big moments? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure, really. You know, I've had struggles. I've had struggles in big games, you know, early in my com career. I ask the good Lord, you know, all the time. But in those games, just to calm my nerves, help me to go out and just do the best I can, and don't let anything else get in my mind. Um, I think I do a good job of being able to set aside a lot of stuff that can creep into your head. All right, you win game six against the Phillies. The team wins its 27th championship. You win your fifth world championship. And I guess it's like asking you what's your favorite child. Do you have a favorite championship? How did that one rank last year? That one, that one was was very special. I mean, obviously, you always I think you just say the first one because it was your first time to do it. You know, to leave for the three years that I left, and then for the organization to to bring me back and to bring me back to say we need you to help win a championship is basically what they had told me last year was was up there above all of them. Uh, as far as being extremely gratifying and because it had been so long since we had done it and the Yankee fans were dying for another championship. So uh, that made it that made it really special. And then also I got to throw in the new ballpark. I mean, that made it extremely special also being in a new ballpark and being able to do it in that first year that that was extremely cool. Okay, so you go four and on the playoffs, you win the sixth game, you win the final game, you win your championship that you were brought back to do. You've talked to me a lot about you're going to take it year to year. And I thought we might have seen the end yeah. of Andy Pettit because what a way to go out. It's almost like Jordan going out with that shot against yeah. Utah. He ends up coming back. Why did you come back? And you're right. And, I mean, a lot of that stuff went through my head, and I was. I was like, man, it can't get any better than this. Right. You know, you might as well just go home. But <laughs> this, you know, this is what I do. I was still feeling healthy. I felt like that I could come back this year and can continue to compete at a high level. We've got the same group of guys, and hopefully if we stay healthy, I feel like we're going to win another championship this year. Now, this doesn't, um, doesn't necessarily mean that this is the last year. That I mean, it could come back. you could come back in next year for the next five years, right? Well, you, right? Know, <laughs> you just said the next five years, I mean – Mariano said five more. Well, Mariano, he may be able to, you know, that's for sure. Mariano's throwing harder now and throwing better now than I think I've ever seen him throw. He's absolutely amazing. There's no way, I, I just, there's no way I think I'll be able to play, play another five more years, but I'm going to go home again this year at the end of the season and see how I feel, reevaluate the situation, uh, see where my family's at with the situation, and, um, and, then, and then try to make a decision again after that. I'll convince him. Watch. <laughs> anyway, we're going to go back to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where Andy Pettit started out. It's all when we return right here on Center Stage. Welcome back to Center Stage, everybody. We are talking with the Yankees left-handed pitcher, Andy Pettit. So it all started in Bayou Country in Baton Rouge, and then your family moves to Deer Park, Texas. What was it like growing up in the Pettit household? Well, it was great, man. I mean, just uh, a mother and father that just... Loved me, took care of me, uh, supported me in everything that I did. My dad was, worked out for the police force there. And then when I was in fourth grade, moved us to, uh, to Deer Park, Texas. And he was a chemical plant operator. And mom was, you know, a stay-home mother and just took care of us. And my dad played baseball with me. It was just uh, it was a good upbringing. All right, so he's your first – really, he's your first baseball coach. Mm -hmm. Some kids don't like that. Some kids feel the father puts a lot of pressure on them. Did he put any pressure on you? He didn't. He built me a, a, a pitcher's mound. It had a little AstroTurf on it. 
and we would set it up on the side of the house and, and you know, that's where I would, you know, throw to him at, you know, right there whenever we didn't go to it when we weren't having practice at the ballpark. But he didn't play baseball, you know. He uh, he, was, he played football, right? He played a little football in high school, but that that was it. Did you have any uh, sports idols growing up? Not a, not a whole lot. I loved watching Nolan Ryan pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, loved watching Roger Clemens pitch. Um, Roger used to say, I'm too I'm too young to have Andy idolize me when he was a kid. <laughs> well, I had his poster, you know, I had his poster <laughs> hanging up in my room. Uh, you know, him and Nolan were up in my room. Is it true that you met your wife when she was 13 and you were 15? It is. How'd you it guys is. meet? And did you say, that's my wife? No, not at first. I mean, I, we met at church. We just kind of started dating, you know. For the first year we were together, we hardly even talked. She was super shy. I was super shy. We were just kind of like saying, you know, we're going out together or whatever. And that was kind of how, <laughs> how it was. I, I can remember being like, babe, you're going to have to start talking. Or, I mean, I mean, we're going to have to talk at some point if we're going to be boyfriend and girlfriend. But, yeah, so uh, I, I'm, I'm a year and four months older than her, but we've been – We've been together ever since. Now, 1990, you graduate from high school. Uh, you're offered a scholarship by LSU, and you also get drafted by the Yankees uh, in the 22nd round of the free agent draft. Mm-hmm. But you decide to not sign with the Yankees. Why? Well, I just felt like maybe that I needed a, a year of, of college, or I was actually I'd signed. It was the University of Texas. That's who I had signed with. Um, and, you know, kind of growing up, it's like UT, you want to go play baseball at UT being in Texas, you know. But I wasn't crazy about school. School was school was uh, gave me a headache. That's for sure. I had to I had to do an awful lot of studying just to get through high school. I ended up just signing one year with a junior college, San Jacinto Junior College, instead of going to the University of Texas after I got drafted, because I was hoping maybe go to college, junior college for a year, and then I'll go ahead and go pro, or maybe go to junior college for two years. Where if I signed with the University of Texas, I was going to be there for three years. Right. So. That was my whole thought process behind that. Did the Yankees and the Yankee name, did that mean anything to you back then? It, it really didn't. So you it know, wasn't I, a big I deal. Hate, right. Yeah, I hate to say that. It really it really didn't. Just being, you know, being from uh, Texas, I would come home and I'd watch the Astros at night occasionally. But most of the time I was out playing with my buddies, running around or whatever. But I would come home from school and the Chicago Cubs would always be on. So it was like that was who I watched the most growing up probably was the Chicago Cubs. So, no, it, it really didn't mean a whole lot to me that the it was the Astro, I mean, that it was the Yankees um, uh, that had drafted me. All right, so you go to San Jacinto, and your mm-hmm. coach is a guy named Wayne Graham. Yeah. So he helped refine your delivery. You lost some weight. How did he make you a better pitcher? Well, Coach Graham just got me focused on what I needed to do to be successful, to, to, to continue to move on to the next level. You also threw harder, right? From 85 uh, to 92? Yeah, I got up. I mean, I think in high school I was throwing 87. As, as you get, you grow up, you start getting stronger. He, he made me realize how important it is to work out. And he just got me focused on, son, you can be as good as you want to be, but you have got to take care of yourself. And you've got to get your body in shape and, so you and get your mind in shape. I mean, I was definitely chubby. I was chunky, you know. And then when I got in the Yankees minor league system, you know, I got in really good shape. But then there was times when I was in A-ball, I remember, and I got married. Uh, and my wife started cooking for me. And I started eating too many bags of sunflower seeds, I think. You start putting on a little more weight and stuff like that. Just want to know, when you guys got married, you, were you talking yet? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. We were definitely talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> When we get back, Andy Pettit starts his Yankee career. That's when we return here on Center Stage.
Welcome back to Center Stage, everybody. Our guest is Andy Pettit. So you go to San Jacinto for one year. Now, the Yankees, I guess, is called the draft and follow. They still have your rights. At the end of that first year in San Jacinto, you say, okay, I'm ready. And what's the discussion like with the Yankees? You know, that was, that was a, a, a tough deal just because I didn't have any advice as far as, like, how to handle, right. you know, a scout or how to handle an organization or anything like that. So it was me and my dad, and we are just like, you know, what we do here? I, I was going to go back into the draft. I, I left Houston and went to go visit my family down in Baton Rouge, and my scout happened to follow me down there. And he calls me, and he's like, it's like, I think it's the last day. Like, that night, I'm going to go back into the draft. And he's like, come meet me down at this hotel. Let's talk about it. You know, we're negotiating. We're trying to get, like, 120000 or something like that. And then finally, I'm just sitting there, and I just, I just blurt out. I'm like, look, you give me $80,000, I'll sign. And he's like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, so I went and bought me a pickup truck. And after they took... After they took the taxes out, I didn't have any money left. Nothing. That was it. So was, I, thought, I thought it was going to last me the rest of my life, though, when I told him $80,000. Was $80,000 a big deal to you? I mean, your family was modest means, right? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, yeah. That's, you know, the number was a big deal for sure. I mean, my dad, you know, didn't make that in a year. All right. Your first full professional season is a single-A Greensboro, and your catcher, is a converted infielder who was still trying to learn the deal behind the plate. Who was that guy and how bad was he then? Jorge Posada. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Georgie, actually, I was in Oneana the year before that. That's when they converted him. Uh, and then he was with me in Greensboro, yeah. But it's been cool for us to be able to be together back then when I was 18 years old and, uh, and then in Columbus and then now obviously in New York and play all these years together. It's, it's been pretty awesome to have him catching me all that time. As you're going through the minor leagues, the specific pitch that you learned that you said, okay, I'm ready for the show. When I first signed, they sent me to an instructional ball. I didn't have a changeup. I had a fastball, curveball, and back then I threw a knuckleball. Really? Hoyt Wilhelm was my pitching coach in rookie ball. Hall of Fame knuckleball. Yeah, and he told me I could throw it. That was the pitch that I had. Anyhow, they sent me to an instructional league to learn a changeup. How do you hold the changeup? Well, back then, I held it like this. I just held it. It was a circle change. Mm -hmm. And that's what I threw. And when I came up into the big leagues, I threw a very good circle change. I got a lot of people out with it. But then 1996 is when I learned the cutter. And, uh, you know, I kind of lost the feel for my changeup. The changeup was something that I developed in the minor leagues at a very young age. It really helped me. And I felt like when I first came up, I was a very complete pitcher. And then the cutter kind of made me more one-dimensional. Mm -hmm. uh, and then now I feel like I'm back more to where I was when I first came up, being more of a complete pitcher, throwing change-ups and uh, bo using both sides of the plate a little bit more. You know what? I'm going to take back something I said earlier. Now that I know that you sport a knuckleball, you can go to 47. you got 10 more years in you. Yeah, uh, well, I've tried to break it back out, and it's, How did just, you hold the it's not very good anymore. I just held it right there like that. I'd hold on all those seams right there. Uh, I put all four fingers on that seam. You ever kid around with it anymore? Yeah, I play around with it. Does it still it. move? Yeah, it still moves. Uh, I play around with it a little bit, but uh, I don't think it'd be very good on the mound right now at all. I'd have to work on it. I'd have to work on it for a while, that's for sure. All right, 94, uh, you're pitching in Columbus. Posada's there. A couple of other guys by the name of Jeter and Rivera are there as well. You look at them, did you say, these guys are going to be stars, or did you just not know? I didn't know. You know, you knew obviously Derek was a was a high draft pick. And then really I looked at Mariano and I didn't think that Mariano was going to be able to 
to, to do a whole lot, really. He was starting. You're going to be uh, quite a scout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to, to my credit, at that time, he didn't have a cutter. But uh, they put him in, obviously, put him into the bullpen after a few starts, I believe, in 95 mm-hmm. uh, when he came up and made a few starts and turned him into a reliever. And, and, uh, and then he learned that cutter. And obviously, it, you know, words can't even say how great he is. All right, 95, you're in a spot uh, on the Yankee roster as a middle reliever. Uh, you make your major league debut on April 29th. What do you remember about that? Just a nervous wreck. You know, it, I believe it was in Kansas City. Can remember just shaking out there, you know, just trying really to quit shaking. shaking. Really? Yeah, just shaking. And they had already told me that I was going to be going back down to AAA to be a starter down there. And then Jimmy Key and Melito Perez, I believe, is who got hurt. And then they said, you're going in the rotation. And thank goodness I haven't got out of it yet. No. <laughs> in, your, um, in your third start, Against Oakland, you get your first major league victory. You're 12 and nine that year. Mm-hmm. You go on a streak. I think you win six of seven. The team wins 27 of 34. You get the wild card. Uh, a thrilling series against Seattle. Uh, you pitch very well. I, th- I believe it was in game two. Mm-hmm. Yankees win that game. You're up two games to nothing, and then you lose three in a row. Yeah. I always said that the flight home from Seattle was like a flying funeral. How disappointing was that last game to you guys? It was terrible. Uh, you know, obviously I was young. Um, but I can still remember seeing, you know, Wade's face, Boggs, uh, you know, Cap, Donnie, just uh, how crushed those guys were. But that was the, that was kind of the start of it all for us, you know, where you just you realize how bad it hurts and you see how bad those guys hurt. And I'll never forget Donnie when we got to the postseason saying, don't take this for granted. That's the kind of stuff that kind of stuck with me. Uh, you know, from from that series. You know what stuck with me the most from that series? What's that? Jorge Posada would use as a pinch runner. That wouldn't happen anymore. <laughs> no, that's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> well, it starts to turn into championships when we get back right here on Center Stage. <laughs> Welcome back to Center Stage. Everybody, we're here. Five-time World Series champion Andy Pettit. So the team loses that championship, uh, or the ALDS in 95. 96 as a new manager. Buck Showalter managed in 95. He was the first major league manager you had. And then it's Joe Torre. What was the difference between those two? What was the attitude of the team going into 96? You know, we had a good one. We had a few people come over. They had brought Tino over. Yep. Uh, Jeff Nelson, who, you know, were a huge part of our success that year. Joe Girardi. Uh, Joe Girardi w- w- had come over. You know, it, it was definitely different. Joe's personality was completely different from Buck's. Well, that 96 season is really a breakout year for you. You end up winning 20 games, but you finished second in the Cy Young voting to Pat Henkin. Were you ticked off? Did you think you should win? I mean, I really can't say that I think I, I should have won. I just remember every city I went to, everybody was, like, telling me that I was going to win the Cy Young. But, you know, for me, that was just – that was great. I was happy that I had finished second. I was happy that I was able to give us – uh, a good year that year. Now, 96, the Yankees end up making the World Series, and you lose the first two games at the stadium uh, to the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. Now, Joe Torre has this famous conversation with George Steinberg. He said, don't worry, we'll, uh, you know, we'll win the next three in Atlanta, and then we'll clinch here. Did you guys, when you were down 2-0, think you're going to win? I, I mean, I think so. I think that we felt really comfortable really? with what – I think we felt good about what we had. I mean, you're asking me personally what I thought. I mean, I got – obviously, I had a horrible start. In, in game one, and I was beat down a little bit. You know, I think everybody felt real good about how good of a club we were and what we were going to be able to do. You guys end up winning the first two in Atlanta, then game five. is really, if you think about it, one of the classic postseason matchups ever. 
you against Smoltz, and it's a game you won one nothing. How big was that for Andy Pettit and obviously for the Yankees? Well, that was huge. I mean, that was one obviously probably the biggest game that uh, I feel like I've pitched in, in my career. So to go there in Game Five and be able to throw the ball the way I did uh, and to pitch that game—that is what I've been able to fall back on my whole career. Uh, I've been able to fall back on that game when I was in one of the lowest points that I could, possibly could have been in mentally. And to go out there and to be able to throw that game in Atlanta on the road, it's helped me tremendous in, in, in every postseason outing that's followed that. Well, you win in 96. 97, you make the playoffs, you lose to the Indians. 98, you guys come back. And it might be the greatest team ever assembled. 114 regular season yeah. wins. You win the championship as well. 125 and 50 is the final number. You went 16 and 11 on a team that won 114 games. Did you consider that a good year? I thought it was a decent year, you know. Um, it's like you lost 20% of the team's games. Yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> you, to tell you the truth, Michael, now you start asking me all these statistical <laughs> questions, the years are all starting to run together on me, and it's extremely hard because 99, I know, for me was a horrible year, and it was when they were talking about trading me and stuff like that. So I really didn't think I felt that bad about 98. <laughs> Until now. Until now. So... <laughs> I actually thought I had a fairly decent career until I came on this show. <laughs> well, that, that team was a special team. Yeah. And you sweep the uh, the Padres in the World Series. Let's talk about how emotional a time it was for you when you guys made the World Series in 98. Your dad underwent double bypass surgery. Yeah. And then you end up closing out the World Series. Yeah. You pitch eight shutout innings. How tough was it to be on the mound and your dad was going through that? That was, for me, the you know, the, the the worst World Series. I really don't even remember that World Series. I had to fly home. You know, I met the team out in San Diego. Right. So to have to be gone from the team at a time when you're supposed to be celebrating being in the World Series and having a great time, I had to worry about, you know, if my dad was going to, you know, make it. Uh, and, you know, he had to double bypass. Uh, so, but that was a very emotional time. Did he make be... you pitch in San Diego? Did your dad insist that you... No, I mean, I just knew that, you know, that I knew when job. he came out of surgery that they told me that he was doing, you know, he was doing as good as he could possibly be doing, that it was my job. That didn't even need to be said. I know he wanted me to do my job and, and, and do what I needed to do. And, uh, you know, I can remember after that game just being able to call him and, and remember crying on the phone with him and, um, you know, just saying, man, I did, you know, I, I did this one for you because I kind of dedicated, dedicated that game to him. Now, in 1999, Andy came this close to being traded. We'll talk about that when we return on Center Stage. Hey, everybody, this is Center Stage, and we have Andy Pettit here. Andy, 99 starts, and uh, Joe Torrey is diagnosed with prostate cancer. How much of a, a blow was that to the team? I believe he had, he had let us all know in spring training. You know, he was upbeat about it, so I think we were kind of positive about it. He was just like, hey, we're going to get through this. By that time already, it seemed like that we had gone through so much together, you know, as far as with some players and stuff like that, going through some stuff. It was just another thing, I think, that we just all kind of embraced and, and, you know, just supported Joe as much as we possibly could. Right before spring training began, the guy who was hanging on your wall and your kid when you were a kid in the bedroom became your teammate, Roger Clemens. What was that like? Yeah, I mean, it was awesome. We had the same uh, agent, and I had only met Roger a couple times. One start at Fenway I, I had against him where he came up and shook my hand and said we were going into the playoffs and he was wishing me luck and stuff like that. But it, it was awesome, you know, for obviously a guy that that I idolized and, and grew up watching or, and wanted to be like um, to be able to come over there and then to be able to 
become such good friends with him. It was just, uh, it, it was, it was cool to have him on the team. That's for sure. Now you started that season, Andy, on the DL, and, and you started out really on Andy Pettit, like seven and eight, five point six five, the trade rumors start, and then the deal is almost done with the Philadelphia Phillies. They're going to get, I think, Yankees are going to get three prospects back. Mm-hmm. How close was that? How aware were you that this, this was a deal that was about to happen? You were going south on I ninety five, right? I was very aware, and me and my wife were just literally just waiting for somebody to call us and say, hey, pack your bags, you're out of here. And fortunately, you know, that never came. Um, you know, Joe Torrey and, and I know uh, my pitching coach at that time, Mel Stoudemire, had apparently stuck their necks out on the line and said, look, you cannot get rid of this kid. Apparently their heads or somebody's heads were going to roll if I didn't pull it together, but they had promised that I was going to pull it together and, and, and be okay. So after the trade deadline, you're not traded. You end up finishing the season 6-1, and one, so you really go on a roll. What what was wrong before the trade? I, You know, you just, you just stink sometimes. You know, that's just <laughs> all there is to it. I, I mean – it's 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 very difficult to pitch in the big leagues. <laughs> it, it really is. Uh, you you get out of whack. Your mechanics get messed up, and then your head gets messed up. And the mind is a is an awful dangerous thing, you know for sure. <laughs> and if you're not having the right the right things going through it, and the right thought process out there, and stuff like that. Um, you know, you're going to struggle out there. So the 6-1 and one finish, you guys go back into the playoffs again. You win the World Series. You actually sweep the Braves this mm-hmm. time. And then 2000, you go in for the three-peat. And across the field, the New York Mets. Yeah. Every Yankee I've spoken to, Paul O'Neill, who I do the games with, he, he always says that was the series with no joy. We either had to win yeah. or move. Yeah. So, I mean, was that a no-win series for you guys? It, it was. We better win. You know, that was really <laughs> – that was the way we looked at it. And, but it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. I understand what Paul's talking about because we, we definitely felt like that as a team that we, we need to win this thing or, or it's going to be tough to swallow this one. All right, now in 2001, the Yankees going for the four-peat. Now that whole season obviously uh, was changed at September 11th. Mm-hmm. What do you remember about the aftermath of that? Just uh, it was so surreal, just everything about it. Um, Really what I remember I think the most is just how the, the fans, how, how unbelievable the fans still were after everything that happened. That, that was why that one hurt an awful lot to lose also is because I just really felt like the, for the city that that one would have been just right up there at the top as far as being special to be able to win that one for the city. All right, that one is obviously the World Series against the Diamondbacks. And although the Yankees lost, it, it's one of the greatest World Series ever played. You had yeah. the Brocious home run, the Tino home run, the Derek Jeter Mr. November home run. You guys end up winning the three games in New York. So you're up three games to two. You go back to Arizona. Mm-hmm. You're pitching game six. Everybody yeah. figures Andy's good in these games, and you really got hit hard. What do you remember about that, and is it something that still stays with you? Yeah, you see, you talk about how good that I've been in these big games. That's, those are the ones I remember, <laughs> right. the ones that I get, the ones that you get hit hard in. That was, It was just disappointing. I mean, I, I can't tell you how disappointing of a loss that was. We had all the momentum in the world uh, going back to their ballpark and – just really felt like that we were going to win this thing. I see it, it still bothers you, though. It does. There's a, well, it costs, I feel like it cost us a World Series. Uh, but you guys had to lead in the ninth inning the next night. Yeah, we did. We did, but it would have been nice to, to be able to maybe win it, <laughs> you know, in six. That was definitely a tough one to swallow. When we come back, Andy Pettit goes south to Houston. We'll talk about that when we return in second grade. Well, he's won over 200 games in his career. He's here with us here on center stage, and that's Andy Pettit.
2002, a disappointing year for the Yankees. They made the playoffs, but they didn't go to the World Series. You're dealing with an injured elbow. You're 13 and 5. Now, in 2004, you go on the DL elbow surgery. Uh, now, to help your recovery, you end up using HGH. That comes out in the Mitchell report in 2007. Mm-hmm. Were you shocked that it came out? Uh, no, because I knew that it was gonna. I knew that it was gonna come out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I knew that 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 my name had had ended up being on the list. I look at you, and I've, I've always said not, not to make you feel uncomfortable. If I ever have a son, I'd want him to be Andy Pettit. So when I heard the HGH stuff, I was shocked. Because of all the players I've ever met, you know right from wrong. Right. Did you know you were doing something wrong? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely I definitely think I, I, I knew that because that's why I didn't continue to do it, right. you know. Um, the biggest thing that I hate about that whole deal for me personally was my Christian faith is, is – it's not something I've just dreamed up. You've known me my whole career, and that's just kind of how I live my life. And I believe that, that God puts you in certain places uh, at certain times in your life. And I got away from thinking that God had me here in a certain place at a certain time, and I was trying to figure out a way, how can I fix this? My elbows hurt. You know, I'm not getting better. How can I take care of this? Instead of just realizing that, that God may have me there, have me on the DL for a certain reason. Other than uh, that, just also thinking that kids think that I think that's something that they should be doing or something that I think is right. Those were the two biggest disappointments in, in that whole situation because for me, you can either make a heart mistake or a head mistake. And for me, I know my heart was in the right place and, and I screwed up. I made, a, you know, I made a bad choice and I made the wrong decision with that. Now, your numbers right now, or Hall of Fame type of numbers. I mean, you're going to be in the discussion. Do you believe that your usage of HGH is going to hurt you if if it ever comes down to people voting for you for the Hall of Fame? Um, I mean, I'm not sure. I would imagine it would with some people, you know. If you believe what I say and you believe my story and what I've said, then I would think that it really probably wouldn't be that big of an issue. But if you don't believe me and you think I'm lying, then I think it probably is going to be a huge issue, you know. But the thing that makes it easy for me, Michael, and, and, and from the bottom of my heart, I mean, that is just so out of my control. I can't do nothing about it. I can't worry about it. And I think if it's something that God wants to bless me with in my life, then it's something that will happen. All right. Now, in 2003, Yankees make a sixth appearance on the World Series. You guys end up losing to the Marlins. After the 2003 season, everybody expects, well, Andy Pettis, he's a Yankee for life. Then you decide not to be a Yankee for life. You go to Houston. You shock everybody. I know Yankee <laughs> fans' hearts were broken. How tough a call was that for you? That was tough because I thought I was going to be here forever also. Um, you know, again, it, it just it worked out. You know, and you hate to, I don't want to get into, you know, the negotiations or whatever, but the Yankees knew that my arm was bothering me. You know, same old story. It comes down and it's a business, you know. And uh, when I was a free agent, um, you know, Got a, t- a lot of offers from a lot of teams, offering me a, a lot, you know, a lot of money. Um, and the Yankees weren't one of those teams that were offering me a lot, of, a lot of money. You know, mm-hmm. instead of coming back here, you know, I went to Houston and uh, took the little contract that they gave me. Just felt like that that was the right place for me at the time. Now and the Red Sox offered. I mean, you signed for three years, about thirty million with the Astros. Yeah. Red Sox offered you like fifty-four million dollars. Did you ever consider going to Boston? No. Um, 
you know, I just, you know, it wasn't right. about the money. Um, it was the Red Sox. There was no way that I could see myself uh, after what I had done here, going over there and competing against Derek, Georgie, you know, Mariano, the guys that were on this team now. Um, and it, it just didn't, it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense to me. You go to Houston, you end up having elbow problems and you have surgery, but you actually get to the Houston Astros into a World Series where they lose to the, uh, the White Sox. Um, how different is baseball in Houston and baseball in pinstripes, or blue pinstripes? How different is it with the Yankees than it is with the Astros? Well, it, it's, it was different, there's no doubt. You know, I went there and uh, they had never won a playoff series before, you know? So the, the first thing is when I signed there, I'm thinking, how am I going to help this team, you know, get past that first hurdle, you know, to win a playoff series? And, and then, then Roger ends up joining you there, too. Then Roger came over, and then obviously when he decides to come over, I, you know, you know that if you got one more guy, and we had one more guy in Roy Oswalt, that we got a chance to pull this off if our bullpen's pretty good. Well, you end up spending three years in Houston, and then at 34, everybody thinks that you know, you know, you might call it quits, you might be done. Yeah. Then the the Yankee pull is there. Yeah. Why? What what brought you back, and has it been worth coming back? First of all, I mean, obviously it's been it's been unbelievable coming back. Um, and the pull was, you know, my elbow started bothering me again at the end of 06. I felt really good going into the season in 06, but halfway through the year, my elbow started bothering me an awful lot again. And I just really was like, you know, I just, I don't think I'm going to get better. And then Joe Torrey started calling, you know, and just said, you know, we want you back, you know, come back. And then Cash was calling, and I'm like, guys, I don't think I can do it. You know, my elbow's not feeling good. And then they're just like, look, just come back. I mean, literally, just just come back. We'll deal with it. I think maybe I felt like, well, maybe they did appreciate what I was doing when I was here, you know. And, and then for me, this is home as far as baseball. I mean, this is my home, you know. And it was just so easy to come back whenever, uh, whenever they gave me the option to come back the way that they did. All right, two quick hits. How different is Girardi? From a player than he is as a manager. Well, that you know that's hard just because when when he was a player, I just remember he was always just like so hyper, and he's still like that. He's still got a lot of energy, but now it's you know he's a manager and it's serious, and, and his hair it, is and, gray, and his hair is gray, and he's <laughs> chopped it all off. And but uh, it, it's weird. It's, it's been cool. It's been cool that you know because he caught me, and then now he's you know my manager, and I've got to respect him, and I've got to listen to what he tells me, and. You know, but then yet I don't want to listen to what he tells you know too much. But so it's it's been it's been great. Joe's great. He's been fun to play for. And what was the final game at the old Yankee Stadium like for you? That was awesome. It, it was awesome that the organization wanted me to pitch that game, and I was so thankful. And I feel so blessed to be able to have thrown in that last game. Obviously, the first time in my career I had shoulder problems, and down the stretch my shoulder was killing me that year, and I skipped a start to be able to make that start. But to be able to go out there and to, to, to pitch that game and be able to get a win in that game and help us win that final game, I, I just I thank the Yankees so much for that opportunity, and it's, it, it, was, uh, it was awesome. Hit and runs coming up for Andy Pettit. That's next on Center State. <laughs> Welcome back to Center Stage, everybody. That's Andy Pettit. I'm Michael Kay. Now, before we do hit and run, um, I do a radio show. One of the guys that works on my show is a musician, and he kind of motivates Andy with songs that he writes. Am I right? No doubt about motivated it. Motivated you in the 2009 World yeah. Series. Yeah. And he has written a special Andy song for you right now <laughs> oh, to motivate man. you. Beautiful. So, ladies and gentlemen, here's my buddy Joey Salvia. 
of these don't you oh, he changes the words yeah. every single time there's a big game that's been fun yeah. it's been uh it's been cool to be able to listen to those and i get a kick out of them that's for sure all right now this is not going to be fun this is going to be worse than anything you've ever encountered hit and run oh no all right something i say boom first thing that comes to your mind ready all right okay toughest uh batter that you ever faced uh manny ramirez how come he just everything i throw up there i see i feel like he just hits it he sees it good his ball's hard everywhere. All right, best piece of advice that anyone ever gave you? I'd probably just say my dad just used to tell me that nobody's going to give me anything in this life. you got to work hard for it. Most memorable game? Probably that game five in Atlanta in the World Series. Uh, our viewers on Yes always see you uh, talking to yourself on the mound. <laughs> what are you saying? Uh, well, you know, a lot of times it's, it's just mechanical stuff, reminders for me. But then a lot of times I'm I'm criticizing myself pretty bad out there. Really? I, yeah, I call myself an idiot a lot. You know, <laughs> stupid pitch. You know, what are you doing? You know, so I, I try to motivate myself that way. All right. Favorite <laughs> musician? Uh, I I mean, other say than Joey. Joey. Yeah, I'd have Joey. to say Joey right. for sure. All right. Favorite late night snack? Uh, chocolate chip cookies. All right. Now, final thing: if you were trapped in a foxhole. What person would you most like to have you in there with you to help you get out? I'd say my dad. He's a big guy. His dad's big, too. <laughs> yeah. All right, now, you play with so many characters uh, over the years with the Yankees. Uh, one or two-word comment on these guys. Bernie Williams. Magician. Magician, why? Well, he plays guitar. Oh, musician. Musician. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not a magician. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, he's got, he pulls this rabbit out of his uh, sleeve also. <laughs> David Cohn. Uh, a gamer. Paul O'Neill. The warrior. David Wells. Uh, crazy man. <laughs> Jorge Posada. Uh, stud. Mariano Rivera. Best ever. A-Rod. Just a great player. Derek Jeter. The captain. We wrap it up, coming up on center stage. This is Center Stage, everybody. We've had a great time talking with Andy Pettit over the last hour and uh, some things we want to finish up. Um, we, we previously mentioned the Mitchell Report, and uh, Roger was also named in that, and he kind of has a different stance on what happened than you. You guys were very close. Where's your relationship stand right now? Do you think it hurt it forever? Well, I mean, I hope not. I mean, obviously, you know, things are obviously different than they were, and it's just a situation where... We're not able to stay in contact like we used to, but uh, you miss that. 
Yeah, for sure, because he's he's a good friend. So, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, one day that'll that'll all change again. With all of this, you know, I asked you a question about you with the Hall of Fame. Do you think this affects him with the Hall of Fame? I guess it's just something we'll just have to wait and see. Um, you know, I hope not because I believe I think he deserves to be in there. All right, you do a lot of charity work for children. Uh, why is this so important for you? Well, I just I, I love kids. I care about kids. I've got four of them. Um, they're our future. They got a soft spot in my heart, I guess. That's all, you know, really all I can say. Just, uh, you know, there's nothing better than helping out a kid. Now, it's almost like the two sides of Andy. You're a fierce competitor on the mound, and you're kind of really laid back and chill off the field. So what's the real Andy Pettit? Is it this, or is it the, the maniac guy on the, on the mound? I don't know. I don't. Now that you ask me that, I don't know if it's a, you know, that out there for me is, it's what I have to do, I feel like, to get myself where I need to be, to compete and to, to, to perform at a high level, you know? But, I mean, I mean, this is, this is me. I mean, I'm very laid back. i got a ranch down in South Texas, and that's, that's where I spend my off-seasons, you know, when I can get down there and my family's down there and stuff. So uh, the maniacs, I, I don't think, is really the good side of me. I don't, <laughs> think that's, I don't think that's the true side. All right, now, when do you think you'll know when it's time to retire? What's going to push you over the top? Well, I just, I think more than anything, it's just going to be my kids, you know. It'll be my kids knowing that I need to be there for them. Now, you recently recorded uh, your 200th win as a Yankee. Only Red Ruffing and Whitey Ford have ever won more. And if you didn't have those three years in Houston, you'd be number one, by the way. (laughs) But uh, do you realize now that you are amongst the pantheon of Yankee greats, that when they talk about the all-time greatest Yankees, your name is now legitimately up there? What does that mean to you? I mean, just to hear you say that, you know, that's cool. And, I mean, it's it's awesome. Uh, I don't think I really still, you know, realize realize it yet. But I know over the last couple of years it's just been different and things are starting to change. Like, people are starting to mention the Hall of Fame stuff, you know, which stuff like me, and I've said this before, that's never even entered my mind because, for me, that was – uh, for people like Mariano and for Derek that make the game look easy. And this, the game has been extremely difficult for me, I feel like. What do you think it's going to be like 40 years from now <laughs> when you're closing in on 80, you're going to be 78 <laughs> years old, and you're, you're all standing along the first baseline at Yankee Stadium, and you look at Derek and gray hair and Jorge and all that, yeah. and Mariano's not going to have hair by that point. No. I mean, do you guys... What do you think you guys are going to look at each other and think? First of all, I hope 40 years from now I'm still around, 78. I hope I'm, hope I'm still here, but uh, it'll, be, it'll be weird. I know Georgie says it more than any of us, uh, that when we're sitting around looking and we see Yogi walking around, he's like, we're going to be looking like that. You know, <laughs> we're going to be walking around here like that, you know? Uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be neat. It's going to be neat to be able to look back over all the years and, and to, to see what we've done and what we've been able to accomplish and stuff like that. It, it, it's, going to be, it's going to be fun. How do you want to be remembered as a player? As a great teammate. As, as that, that's really it. Um, as somebody that just went out every fifth day and just laid it on the line and, and gave my heart and soul because really that's, that's all I've tried to do. I've tried to go out and every fifth day and give my team a chance to win. And, um, and I've tried to be a positive impact on the club, whether I was pitching or not. And, you know, that's how I would, I would hope to be remembered. It's hard to believe that a kid from Louisiana slash Texas, I mean, people, the biggest crowd ever here, 
that they love you in New York? Is that hard to believe? Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> it definitely is. With, with my southern accent and everything, uh -huh. I, I, yeah, it is. But, uh, you know, I, I don't even know what to say. I, I mean, I think that, that they know that I've worked hard and I've tried extremely hard uh, to go out and I prepare myself and I give it everything I've got. Whether I get knocked around or not, I'm not going to give up out there on the mound. I'm going to battle. And uh, I think hardworking people, which hardworking people in New York are, appreciate that. And maybe that's why they like me. <laughs> <laughs> they got good taste. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Michael Kelly. And this is Tennessee. So long, everybody.